Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. My next guests are Viv and Tash. They have cracked the code of influencer marketing through social media, becoming powerful voices on Instagram through their business, Ace the Gram. Viv and Tash focus on all things Instagram, including influencer marketing, giveaways, and how to use Instagram to drive traffic to your website and product. The pair have over 200,000 net followers on their personal Instagrams and have worked with clients from 70 followers to 1.9 million followers across Australia, the US, the UK, and New Zealand. I'm excited to share this episode because Viv and Tosh generously shared with us tips on how we can optimize and grow our own Instagram accounts. I hope you enjoy this episode and let me know what your biggest takeaway was. My guests today are Viv and Tosh. They are the founders of Ace the Gram. I am so thrilled to be diving into this conversation with these two very dynamic ladies. So welcome, welcome. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having us. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you're dialing in from New Zealand and I'm in upstate New York. So it's awesome to be able to take advantage of technology especially during these times of social isolation. Talk to me a little bit about how that has affected you both personally and professionally as we're dealing with the global pandemic. Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's, I mean, it's pretty surreal times for everyone at the moment. We are currently working from our isolated bubble. So normally Viv and I work together each day. And I think what, you know, COVID has meant for us is it's, you know, when you're running a business, you're constantly, you know, just doing things every single day and it's such a fast pace and you don't really have time to stop and reflect on everything. And you have a plan, but you don't necessarily have that time to really go deep on the plan. Yeah. Um, and what, what it's meant for us is we've managed to, you know, with this time and reflection, managed to replan a few things and sort of pivot a little bit just to suit, you know, the times and also just to figure out exactly where we're wanting to head in business and what the best value we can offer with our skills is. So yeah, it's actually been really powerful because we would have never made that pivot without this time. So it's a great time to strategize and figure out all those things and do those things that you never had time for. Absolutely. Such a good point. I think it is such an interesting time because, you know, at the moment we can really only live week to week almost, you know, at the moment we're living, you know, in four week blocks and then we only know what's happening for the next two weeks. So as much as you can plan ahead, you also need to be agile enough to, to be able to say, oh, well, you know, we can only kind of look as far as two weeks in advance and we're just going to have to roll with it. So you've just got to be still there for your customers and stuff, but then again, ready to pivot like Tash says. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Agility is a beautiful word. (laughs) We all need to have that flexibility right now. So talk to us a little bit how you got into influential marketing. Yeah, sure. So we are Instagram specialists and we kind of came to it in different ways. So we were at uni or college 
we were sort of using it for different reasons. So for myself, I was selling sportswear online and Instagram was my main traffic driver, you know, over to my website to then make sales. And then Tash, on the other hand, was using it as more of a portfolio to showcase what she could do for, you know, future employers as we were both studying food science. So that's where the, you know, food aspect of what we do comes in. So we kind of came to it with a sort of brand and influence perspective, which is actually proved to be quite helpful because we can kind of understand a campaign from you know both sides and so with that it just means that we now work on big campaigns to actually get brand awareness for other people because that's what people were asking us for the most you know like when we started to get results on Instagram they were sort of like how are you doing that you know like six years ago no one was really you know building Instagram accounts in New Zealand so it was it was something really new and something fresh in fact you know people were sort of like are you really going to do that full time? You know, couldn't really grasp the concept. But now it's really commonplace. Everyone wants to use it for business. In fact, like this time in particular, I'm sure you've noticed as well, the businesses that weren't digitally, you know, making the most of things have all of a sudden advanced, you know, like 10 years worth of, you know, what it would have taken them a long time ago. They've just sort of jumped on. We're having it, you know. Whether they're going kicking and screaming or not, right? Whether there's reluctancy, it is something that, if you want to still have the lights on, you have to quickly learn digital marketing. And I know that you have grown accounts from zero to 30K in less than a year, which is really impressive. Yeah. And that comes back to, it always comes back to listening to your customer and understanding what value you can provide. So we see it quite a lot where people kind of post what they want to post. And I suppose it's like, business as well, you know, selling what you want to sell versus actually listening to the market, actually doing some research. Like the best thing about Instagram is that someone's probably done something similar before. So, you know, having a little lurk around and figuring out what's sort of working, what's not working, what are people responding really well to and how can I, you know, take elements of that and create something of my own and in doing so get a lot of traction from it. It used to be a little bit easier when Instagram allowed you to search by hashtag and then see the numbers of engagements based on posts and videos. It was like, that felt like it was much easier to do like market analysis and competitive analysis. Now it's all kind of like hidden behind the scenes. What kind of tips do you have for people that want to dig in or maybe new to the Instagram channel? What would be something easy and doable for them to kind of optimize their results? I would say a thing that a lot of people don't realize who come to our workshops so we get them to do this exercise and they're like oh my gosh like I've been an Instagram marketer for this long and I've never known this and if you go onto your business profile so you're just on your normal Instagram profile and you've you've got a business account and if you click insights and then you click content and then you switch to photos and then you can actually see all of the past year or two years of your content ranked in terms of various things. So you can look at it in terms of what got the most engagement or what got the most clicks to your website or what got the most you know, saves or sends, which is such a powerful metric because it's basically figuring out exactly what way your audience is responding to your pieces of content. So if you notice you know, that the top engaged posts all have people in it and you have a brand that you didn't think that you really wanted to post about people, you just wanted to post about the brand outcome and what the brand was, then maybe that's a good indication that, you know, people is really important to other people when they're looking at content. And also just being aware as well of what is converting. So if your intention of Instagram is to get more sales and get more traffic to your website, then actually seeing which posts got 
the most clicks to your website is really important. And we often find that those posts always have call to action saying, click the link in our bio for dot, dot, dot. And, and that's what's people need to know is they need to spoon feed their audience and it needs to be crystal clear of exactly what someone needs to do because otherwise they won't do it. So be really clear in your call to actions Mm -hmm. and figure out which content type is doing the best. Beautiful. That's great practical help for people. And they do need to be led by the hand of what the next right best step is for them. Question on that though. So if you are directing people with CTAs in your post to your bio link, how do you keep that link page, whether people are using Linktree or maybe making a a custom web page with their links, how do you keep that fresh? Because if someone's looking at older content, we can't have like a links page as long as our arm. So what are your suggestions for that? Yeah, I think like you mentioned, you know, we only have one chance to direct people away from Instagram. So make sure that your call to action is really specific and that can come down sometimes to actually understanding what your customer journey looks like so actually if you don't want to ask for the sale straight away maybe you've got a higher ticket offer or something and you actually need to put people onto an email list first you might just be directing people to an email list and you know just be directing them to like a freebie or a guide or something like that but but like you say Linktree gives us that option to add multiple links so you know I've got a friend that's a journalist and she has lots of different links for all the rest articles she's written so like you know as you're saying if someone's on content from three months ago those links are still going to be in there because she knows that people are still interested in that content and are probably going to be looking through her feed and it's the same for businesses or influencers you know what are the main things that you actually want to drive people to even if it's specific web pages like it's worth putting the links to those specific pages in that link tree so it just cuts out those steps and it you know limits the amount of distraction that people are allowed to have Yeah, absolutely. Do you have like a special formula for the ratio of stories to post to IGTV? Yeah, I would say when it comes to frequency, we think Instagram stories. So top of screen, top of mind, have at least one story up every day. And if business owners, you know, get intimidated by having a piece of content up every day, then it's just learning about the nature of Instagram stories. And you don't have to spend all the time curating it and taking beautiful imagery and doing the things that you need to do for a main feed post. So when it comes to frequency, it's just making that a part of your day. So, you know, doing a time lapse of whatever's happening at work that day or posting a little fact about educational things around your product or your service or doing little gifts or polls or questions or just doing something to build that rapport and that connection with your audience because stories are hands down the best ways to do that. When it comes to your feed, our answer would have been different four years ago, five years ago, when it was really important in the algorithm to be posting as frequently as possible. And now we say just post as often as you have high quality value driven content for. So I wouldn't go lower than once a week, but just for the algorithm, but I would definitely prioritize quality over quantity when it comes to your feed posts. So that might look like three times a week for you, might look like four times a week for you, but if you're storing every day. And when it comes to Instagram TV, I would say the biggest thing to remember is, you know, 
Instagram as a platform, you don't want it to take up your entire business. You don't want to take up all your time and doing all these things. So if you're not already producing long form content and you're not comfortable with that and it's a huge learning curve, then there are a lot of other ways to grow on Instagram. So I wouldn't necessarily try and learn and do this whole new Instagram TV push. But if you're already creating content, like video content for various platforms and Instagram, then by all means, make it Instagram TV because Instagram loves to push their features and they love Instagram TV. So, you know, if you hit the explore page, your video will be bigger if it's Instagram TV or there's various benefits to Instagram TV. So definitely, if you're producing the content already, by all means, post it. Yeah, really super valuable. I'm glad that you broke it down like that because I think that some people feel they have to do everything and then they get overwhelmed and then they go into possibly doing nothing and that's not what we're looking for. When you talk about stories, because I do see that the trends are really going more to that and people are taking like quick times to do that. Is there like, and and I know this is a very general question, but is there a recommended number of stacks that you add to your stories? Because some people just add one and then it's like not really a story right? It's like more of a disappearing post. So I've noticed even with my own stories that if I stack them, there tends to be less people looking at the ones like at two or three or four. So it's like, hmm, interesting. How much effort should you put into stacking stories? I think it just depends, doesn't it? Like I know influencers that have, you know, the like little full stops at the top of the screen when you go and have a look at their stories. But then other people, you know, they might only have one or two, but they might be hilarious or they might be, you know, asking questions and starting that conversation. So it actually, it does come back to, like you say, having a look at those insights and actually figuring out, wow, you know, we can always expect some drop off, but if that drop off is really dramatic, then maybe you know, like maybe we cut back a little bit or we look at the content of our stories. So again, it comes back to what do people want? Should we be, we've seen a lot lately over this period of people giving out, you know, kind of like free IP, you know, like whether it's like recipe demos or free workouts or, you know, stuff that's really valuable to people that actually it might be more stories than they're used to posting, Mm -hmm. but actually people are there for it. There's so many eyes on social at the moment and it can still be really valuable. So it does just depend and it will depend on your account and what your audience is used to. But if you can keep an eye on those insights, you know, that's going to give you a bigger idea of what people actually want to see. Perfect. Oh, that's such valuable information. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Curious about your thoughts of mixing personal information with business information. So I know that there's kind of like two schools of thought. One being that people like to see the behind the scenes and the real you and what you're eating for dinner. And then the other being like, why am I watching a story of your cat when you're a consultant? Yeah, it's such a hard balance to you know, lay down direct rules for because obviously they vary so much when it comes to the business and the way, you know, and how far people take them. I would just think of what your brand is and how your personal brand's values fit into those. So I wouldn't do anything that would stray too far from those brand values. So, you know, if you are a, you know, super fun like skincare product and you're a woman and you're the owner, then probably you know, more elements of your beauty regime and who you are at work is actually really relevant to your audience because they're the type of target audience who would be really interested in seeing that. But if you have a insurance company and you, you know, don't really like Instagram putting your face in front of it and you're at your next door neighbor's part, like niece's party and there's a cat there, 
chances are your audience is probably not there for that. They probably aren't really interested in that. But what they might be interested in is a little bit more about your core story and your, you know, and why you started this insurance company, like why insurance is even important to you, why you chose that career path. So you can build in your core story in a little bit more of a professional way that's got a few more brand guidelines. So I would just bring it back to the audience and say, well, I know who my target audience is. I know who's following me. Would they, you know, how far of my core story in my life would they be interested in and what elements would they be interested in perfect yeah that makes so much sense again it's it's not willy-nilly there's really a science behind growing your feed and and you hit it so beautifully on the head knowing your target audience what do they want what do they expect from you and also being really secure in your own like brand messaging pillars so you're not all over the board talking about 301 things so it's like wait are you teaching me how to do a green smoothie or are you going to be my accountant? I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Did you ever just wish there was a group of high vibe women entrepreneurs that you could hang out with? A place where you could share your wins, get a biz question asked, and be around people that just get you? Well, there is my friend. It's my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group. I created a place on the web where like minds and open hearts could continue the conversations that we start here on the podcast. Fulfill your desire to develop friendships with women from around the globe, women who are on the solopreneur journey just like you. Now more than ever, we are craving authentic connections. Believe me, your voice matters, your work matters, and having the support of a close-knit community can make all the difference in the world. So head over to Facebook and go to facebook.com slash groups slash women developing brilliance and request to join my private women developing brilliance Facebook group, the gathering place for heart-centered female entrepreneurs looking to create an impact, increase their income, and connect deeply with themselves and others in the process. I can't wait to welcome you in my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, where you'll be encouraged to introduce yourself, ask a question, and meet other ambitious lightworkers just like you. Again, it's facebook.com slash groups slash women developing brilliance. I'll catch you there. So in all of your business experience, what's been a challenging lesson that you wish you had known the answer to before having to go through it? Oh, good question. We actually did a little podcast episode the other day around different software that we've used to help us. So one of the biggest things that we did when we started out is we'd always look for like sort of free options and how we could kind of get the same result, but like find workarounds and stuff. But now, you know, with such helpful tools like Thrivecart, Pages, you know, all the standard ones that you actually even just like email hosting providers that have really good deliverability options software helps so much and the return from that is just massive both in terms of like time and actual customers and monetary return so I think one of the maybe not so Instagram specific but definitely past Instagram can be very helpful and it's actually about figuring out what you want to do what you want to achieve and then sometimes it's worth putting a little bit of money behind that because the benefits are just tenfold absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and I, w- I would say mine would be having a roadmap for not necessarily a fully fledged you know business plan with every single aspect 
dialed out when you begin, but as you begin, you know, have an understanding of your goal and how to get there. But then as you move through the business a little bit more, that's when you need a dial in your business plan because that's when you have more of an understanding who is actually buying your product and who your target audience is and what revenue streams are working for you. And that's when you can write down all of your revenue streams, streamline into what's making you the most money and what's the most enjoyable to you, like what you can actually progress the most in and then have that all planned. So have a map really. Yes. Which, yeah which we lacked for so long and I'm against, you know, a person who's never started a business before sitting down and having every element of their business plan mapped out before they begin. But I think it's really important as you get deeper into your business to figure out what that map is. Yeah, that's a really good point actually. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the details again and that's where they can go into overwhelm like we talked about before. So I like that concept of chunking up when you're more in the beginning stages and startup and then you can refine and tweak and really gather like voice of customer data to really, you know, inform your decisions, inform your marketing. That's really great. I think that's a brilliant tip. And then to Viv's point about the software, you know, especially for startups where they're in that DIY stage where it's like, I can do anything, right? We're the cook, we're the chief, we're the bottle washer. And so it's so easy to try to cut and piece things together on a budget. And I get that, like we all start at a certain point, but there is then the flip of that. When you do put a little skin in the game, it can save you so much time, so much aggravation, so much wanting to throw your laptop out the window. So I think that you both really, yeah, shared some valuable wisdom there. I like it. I like it a lot. What do you have exciting coming up on the docket as we move further into 2020? Oh, we love our podcasting and I think in isolation it's sort of been you know who are we going to have on the podcast what are we going to talk about how are we going to extend our content so I think the podcast is something we're excited about and it's kind of one of the only things we can actually plan right now so nice. everything else is sort of you know up in the air and on hold but we know that the podcast will plow on through so I'm personally excited about that. Did you have yeah, it in the works before COVID? Yeah, yeah. So we've had it for a year or so now, but I think this is time to double down on it and really, like, you know, focus on it. Sweet. Yeah, I've had plenty of time to, we get really Instagram specific, yes, and I've had plenty of time to make sure I'm following them up nonstop. You know, I definitely haven't forgotten to follow up over this period. And I think for us, it's just, like I say, it's, you know, it's about planning, you know, two weeks in advance as much as we can, but then otherwise just serving our customers really and our clients. Yeah, that's amazing. I like that. Are you fans of using like the audio clip aspect for DMs? Yeah, I am. I am, especially if, you know, if they've asked you a more personal question or something that you have to answer in full to, because it's actually a really big time saver. And often people are so surprised because they're like, wow, that was the extra mile. And I heard their voice and I suddenly have a bigger connection with them. So yeah, hundred percent. Cool. Awesome. Is there any other like insider tips that maybe people aren't using Instagram in a way that could, you know, be better for their business that you want to share? I think right now, the biggest thing to remember is that like we're saying, the last time I checked, there was an 11% engagement on social media in general. So, you know, even if you're making that switch from, you know, brick and mortar to making sure you've got that digital aspect of your brand, or, you know, maybe you can't even sell right now, for example, in New Zealand, like, essential businesses can't even ship till, you know, it's been more than a month now. So it means that even though you can't maybe 
do everything that you normally can, make sure you're still putting content out on social because there's so many eyes there at the moment that ads are getting cheaper because people are pulling marketing spend. But right now is the best time you can get into that kind of customer awareness phase and really strengthen your brand in a time where you maybe can't do much else. Yeah, that's so great. It actually brings up a thought because a lot of the listeners are holistic wellness professionals. So one, they have definitely had to shift or pivot if they are used to one-on-one consultations. I've had a couple people that own gyms that are like, our whole world is upside down, right? Because we have a brick and mortar. But the other flip to that is people that are newer to the marketing space, people that are a little bit more on the introverted side. So there is a concern about exposure and increased visibility. And there's also a concern of contributing to the noise. So what are your thoughts in regard to all of that? Because I'm a firm believer of what you had said, and this is our time to shine and to not hide and to step into leadership. But I'm really curious on your thoughts about all of that. I think it's about servicing your customers' pain points right now and not you know, jumping on and figuring out, oh, I've got to put something out, so I'm just going to do this, this, and this. It's more, well, if I'm a gym and my people are at home right now, then their biggest pain point will probably be they don't have really structure about their workout. So then putting together online workouts that you can do together and doing things like that is actually servicing their pain points. So it's not necessarily just extra information at them. It's actually fixing a problem that they have in their life. So I think the more value driven you can be, you can't go wrong. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. I think to speak to that, I love the idea of the, you know, bringing routine into someone else's life. So we've seen, you know, really awesome feedback have been those lives, you know, people going lives at 9am every day or actually bringing that routine back in so someone can count on you to be that, that constant. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was doing that on Facebook and I did two or three weeks every day, Monday through Friday, live at 8.15. And I was starting to really see people like tuning in, having their coffee with me. And then I had to just pull back and be like, okay, I have to also manage my energy, make sure that I'm not burning out because I do a lot of other you know, social. So it's really this dance because I felt a little guilty when I stopped because I had people like, oh, I was really looking forward to that. And I was like, oh crap, I started something. And then like, I hope I didn't disappoint them as they were getting used to a routine. So yeah, man, how do we balance it all? I know. I know. Age question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that's great. So the other thing that I'm interested in is how you have the work-life balance. Speaking of balancing, And how important that is to you. Like, I know that sometimes it feels elusive. Sometimes people are like, well, there's a natural gearing up stage. So, of course, we're going to have to like put in until we hit a few benchmarks. And then I have other people that are like, no, I'm entrepreneurs because I wanted freedom and flexibility or I wanted to work 25, 30 hours, left my corporate job of 50 or 60. So how does that kind of play out in your real life, like the work-life balance for each of you? I think the advantage that we have living where we do, and we live in a small beach town called Mount Monganui, and the beauty of that is that everything's within like five minutes, so we can go to the beach. The beach is by the office, and home is by the office, so everything's really, really close together, which means there's no commute time, really, you know, like we drive to work, really, we could walk if we wanted to, you know, it's not that far away, but that that makes up for a lot, you know, like we spend a lot of time in our 
bigger city, Auckland, which is a couple of hours away. And when we go there, the biggest thing that we notice is actually the commute time, even between meetings and stuff. It's actually, it takes up a lot of your day, I think. And when you can take that out, I think, yeah, you'd be surprised at how much extra time you really do have when you don't have to say, wait half an hour or all this traffic. Now it's going to be an hour to get somewhere that would be unheard of here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think another thing is figuring out exactly what are priorities to you so that at the end of each day, you've done your priorities. So you're feeling satisfied with that and that'll create that balance. So if, you know, exercising in the morning is a priority to you, then structure your business around that. Make sure that that's a priority and don't schedule any calls for that and treat that like a really important client meeting that you're not going to miss. So basically figure out, like take the time to sit down and say, what are the highest priorities to me in my life and what would make my life push forward and progress forward in the ways that I want it to. And then if it is, you know, exercise or having your meditation in the morning or whatever it is for you that makes you feel like you're getting a balance, just build that into the structure of your day and your routine and make it non-negotiable and then you'll get there. (laughs) That's the key. Non-negotiable is the key word right there. Hashtag non-negotiable. Absolutely. So I'm really curious about, you have such a fun partnership. You truly are a dynamic duo. So I'm loving that. For 17 years, I had a biz bestie and we had a confections company. So I love the fact that you guys kind of aligned with food science. So that's very cool. And I know it also adds another layer to entrepreneurship when you have such an intense collaboration and there is the ability to play off each other's strengths and support the other one's weakness. But talk to me a little bit about how you navigate some of the challenges having a partnership and being with each other nonstop. Yeah, sure. I love the term. This bestie we often use, our work wife is another one. And I think, yeah, as much as it can be great, it's also, I think the biggest thing that we've learned and we're quite interested in personal development. So I think some of the best things that we've done have been to go along to, you know, different forums and courses to actually understand how you work as a person, but then also how you can be the better person for the people around you. So the biggest thing just is so standard, but it just does come back to communication and actually being really open about where you're at because someone else can be thinking something completely different. And you, you know, often we just make assumptions about what the situation is when really the best thing to do is just have the conversation. Oh, brilliant. And we actually worked together before we were friends. We were in the same uni group project. So we already knew that we had working styles that were complementary. And then before we even started the business, we were, you know, helping each other as biz besties for our own businesses, you know, so it would be. And I think that that's what we've always done and what we'll probably always have is, you know, even if we're not working directly side by side for the rest of our lives, it'll be like biz bestie. Like, oh, absolutely. Z. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, no, I'd say that that's also, you know, key to if you don't have someone that your business partners with or anything having, and you're working as a solopreneur, then having those people who are your call-ons, who are, you know, interested in business and who are entrepreneurs and have a similar journey, but have different skills to you that you can call up and I need this, this and this, and I can't just call my coffee friend because this is not her world. Then that's also really important. So just, you know, realizing that that is such a great relationship for people to have and you don't have to necessarily be business partners forever to have that. 
Yeah, 100%. I love the fact that they've talked about the personal development piece. And I think that that's a key to having a really strong, sustainable partnership. I know that it was for myself and Cher, like we were both on the same spiritual path and we would incorporate a meditation on our lunch hour, Monday through Friday. Like it really allowed us that sustainability of almost two decades. And I still see her every day. Like we alternate having lunch at each other's house, even though she's retired and we sold that business in 2011, but we still have that. So I think those relationships are so strong. I love the fact that you said, we're going to be biz besties for life. Like whether you're (laughs) this, you know, it's just like, it forms something really special. And then to your point for people that are in solopreneurship and they don't have that dynamic duo, that partner that can support them, you can always create your own support system and build your own tribe. And you're right. I really feel like people that are in business have their own DNA. And so sourcing those people out who get you and get like the sacrifices and the whole risk reward that comes with entrepreneurship is so much different than like your neighbor that's in a different kind of business or a conventional job. So I love that you brought that up. You can cultivate it. There are many people out there looking for female entrepreneurship support. So yeah, perfect. Beautiful points. Yeah. And it is, it is about finding those people. I remember when I sort of first started, I first left my job. And like I said, we're in a really small town in New Zealand of all places. So I remember going to the first, you know, kind of group meetup at like a co-working space. And I was like, oh my gosh, I finally found other people that do, you know, what other people think is like, what are you doing? You know, that stuff's a bit weird. I finally found other people that are freelancing, running their own businesses. And I was like, ah, there are people. And it's when you start to make those connections, like you say, you've got people to call on. It becomes a lot easier when you've got that community around you rather than when you're just sort of running through blind and not knowing where you're going or, you know, no one's there to give you a leg up. So by finding those people, whether it's via partnership or not, yeah, it makes the biggest difference. It makes a huge difference. I know if I would like come home and be like, oh, honey, and talk to him about conversion rates or analytics, he'd be like, huh? So like to be with your peeps that actually get excited about metrics and, you know, analyzing data, it's, yeah, you feel like you're home. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. This has been so much fun. You've really shared some amazing practical tips for people. I thank you so much for that. I know it's going to be a really valuable episode for people that are new to Instagram or just cracking into that. If you were going to leave some bright light wisdom before we close up, what would you like to share today? Maybe just when it comes to your social media strategy and your Instagram strategy, just figure out, you know, who your target audience is and what the best value you can provide to them is. And as long as you are value driven, then you'll always succeed on social. And all of these things that we've talked about today, we dive deep into on Instagram podcasts. So if anyone wants to, you know, dive deeper on any of the specific things we talked about. Yeah, but definitely it all comes back to value and your customer as the age old marketing saying says. So I'd recommend that. Yeah, yeah thank you absolutely. I think in terms of general business advice, I think if you can go into anything with like a really growth mindset and you can approach everything with open communication, but also, you know, the grit to move forward and hang on when times are tough, then you'll always succeed. Beautiful combination, growth mindset and grit, man, you can accomplish anything, conquer the world. Absolutely. So is acethegram.com the best way for people to enter into your world? Yeah. Yep. Or we're on Instagram at Podcast. Ah, perfect. Awesome. I'll make sure to put the links in the show notes. This has been so much fun. Thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to share some really cool Instagram tips. I appreciate it. Thank you so so much much for having us.
Yeah. Yeah. Take it easy. See you later. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.